Welcome to the Hacksaw Podcast, everybody. My name is Jordan, and I'm joined as always by my co-host here. Hey, I'm Everett. Yeah, Everett. There you yeah, go. Now I'm here. I'm here. I'm alive. I'm alive. Okay, I've survived the hypersleep. Right. Yeah. Can't say the same about James Franco. <laughs> right. He died real quick. He he was toasted like a fucking bagel bite. Um, pretty much immediately. That was hilarious. How much do you think he got paid for being in the movie for under a few minutes? You know, I, I always With wonder no this. lines and I always wonder this, and I no think James Franco time. is starting to make like a career out of out of this. Like, I think he could totally actually make a uh, real living out of just appearing in movies for one scene, and he could just do like a hundred of those every year. That would be awesome. Just, just, just James. You get James Franco for about ten seconds for each, every single movie you see. He's in there somewhere. It could be like a Where's Waldo thing, where you have to just find James Franco in every film. Yeah, it'd be fun. It's kind of interesting because I thought about that, and it also made me think back to, in Prometheus, how about they have Guy Pierce, who's an actor who's in his early to mid forties, playing a ninety-year-old looking man with really heavy, pretty obvious-looking old man makeup. Absolutely horrific, like, terrible makeup. <laughs> he looks worse. He looks like Emperor, Emperor Palpatine, but worse. Yeah, but with Palpatine, you can forgive it because it's a sci-fi fantasy, and it's supposed to look kind of kind of over the top. He's supposed to look kind of like an alien a, a little bit. He's supposed to look otherworldly. He transforms into Monster Man Yeah, as he becomes evil and old yeah. at the same time. But what I was thinking about was with the James Franco dying so early on in Alien Covenant and the weird sort of disconnect having a a 40-year-old actor playing a 90-year-old man, it gave me this, uh, and amongst some other things too, it gave me the sense that there's a lot of deleted scenes in these movies. Oh, yeah, this totally feels, it feels like a uh, cobbled together in the editing room situation where there was probably like, hours and hours and hours and hours of footage and the script was one of those things where it felt like it was kind of written as they went along of like they had the initial pitch like they had the pitch done whatever they had to say to the studios to get this movie going uh they had that part done and then they got to it like well fuck it we'll just figure it out when we get there you know this 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 is gold it'll just write itself it's been a thing that's a it's the thing that's been happening in a number of Ridley Scott movies, funnily enough. I remember that with the movie Gladiator, I watched it a long time ago with the commentary track, and Ridley Scott and uh, some of the other people in the movie were talking about how when they made this movie, they only had about three-fourths of the script actually finished when they started shooting. So when it gets to the third act, they were like, oh, uh, uh, fields of wheat. How about they all kill each other? Yeah, they just all die. And that's 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 always... You have that as your plan B if plan A doesn't work out. I mean, you can just have... Like, oh, we'll just dramatically have everybody die. What fine. if the hero kills the villain and the villain kills the hero, but it's okay because now he's finally free? It's actually not okay because I was really sad when I was like 10 years old and Russell Crowe died. Yeah, it was sad. Because he died like a bitch. That's the problem. Is that he died from like a poison? Yeah, thing. you know what I mean. It's and like, getting stabbed. Well, he got he got a little bit stabbed. Who's more poisoned than stabbed? And, yeah. And I just always thought, man, they did him dirty. 
like real hard, you know? It's like Walking Phoenix. They also stabbed him before he entered the arena, I think. Yeah, I just think that was that was fucked up, you know? Like the movie itself, like You're like, oh by the way, Russell Crowe. <clears throat> like, oh, damn it. I was mainly making a point that a lot of Ridley Scott movies, especially over the last twenty years, feel like they had a lot of deleted scenes. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. weren't didn't have a full script when they started making the movie. And a the lot best. of these movies, like Gladiator and uh, another movie he made a few years after that called Kingdom of Heaven, both had director's cuts, which both improved the movies quite a bit, at least on a narrative level. Yeah, the a lot of stuff. Of Gladiator was better. A lot of the story stuff and character stuff that got cut out of the uh, theatrical release, because these movies were already pretty long, a lot of that stuff that got cut out was actually really good. So it's like, yeah, if you have the time and the patience to watch the full director's cut and actually see the movie more like it was meant to be meant to be shown or the story to be how the story was supposed to be told then definitely do it but the thing about prometheus and alien covenant is if there is a director's cut of these movies floating around anywhere i i I don't care no no it's (laughs) there wasn't enough there in the theatrical release to make me want to see more of that more of that it's more so like it has like an opposite effect to where it's like a director's cut of Covenant and Prometheus would include key information, include more information to help flesh out the narrative. In this case, it seems the theatrical releases were all the B scenes that would have been cut out, and they cut out the actual scenes that explain to you what why anything is happening ever. Uh, and that's what we're focusing on today. We, we got two movies here. This might be a two-parter, Depending on how long we go on this, you know, we might do uh, Prometheus for this first episode and do a part two on Covenant, just so it's not like a three-hour podcast. But we're going to kick it off with Ridley Scott's Prometheus. Uh, came out in 2012. It's been a movie that we've been really mulling over in our heads for a, a long time, ever since we saw it. And it's never really left my psyche or, or left my brain because of how profoundly bad it is, it's one of those things. It's like a star. It's like the Star Wars prequels, where you just kind of always, even though it's like there are some movies that are so bad, like Tenet, where you just immediately forget about it after after you leave uh, the theater. But there's other types of bad movies like Prometheus, where they are horrible, but you can't seem to shake them out of your brain, one way or the other. Right. I have a similar impression. I think. The reason why we're doing an episode about this is because it left a similar impression with uh, uh, on us like certain movies like Dunkirk and 1917, these big movies that came out over the last several years that were supposed to be really good and supposed to be really epic. And a lot of people thought they were really good and really epic. But we walked out of these movies just very frustrated and wondering what we were missing and wondering what people were seeing that was so great about this. And with Prometheus, it's one of those, one of the bigger culprits of that. Absolutely. I remember, I still remember the theater experience from eight years ago, going to see Prometheus with a group of friends of mine. And we're both pretty amped to go check it out. Yeah. I remember just leaving the theater and all of us standing around in a circle for about 20, 30 minutes, all slowly unraveling the bullshit that we saw because it's one of those things where you watch something like this and on a technical level, it's really incredible. And there's certain things about it that are pretty good, I think. 
the visuals themselves really like if if you just showed me stills of the film or you just showed me scenes without any dialogue or any context whatsoever i'd say they were incredible uh the the visual and that's kind of a similar common denominator with all of these films that receive these, these this high praise is between you know 1917 and dunkirk all, all that kind of stuff they receive this high praise pretty much solely on the visuals and everybody seems to be okay with that i don't think people actually if you broke it down and people thought critically about it they would have a different opinion but people tend to just like fly off the handle and say they like something just by something as shallow as how the visuals are and stuff you know it's like Oh, it it looks, it the artwork and 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 the actual scenes themselves, like the way like the visuals and everything are so amazing that it has to be good. You know, you can sort of like try to justify everything around it from that point. Yeah. So every decade or so, kind of like with the Terminator franchise, there seems to be this sort of attempt to revive the Alien series as well. Yeah, they keep trying. Yeah. There was the first two. And they're just coasting off the excellence of the first two movies. Alien and its sequel, Aliens, are both excellent movies in different ways. And then every movie that's... And kind of like with Terminator. Terminator 1, Terminator 2, both excellent movies. And then every movie that's come out after that is sort of coasting off the excellence of those original two films. Yeah, they're just milking it out. Yeah. It's like if they kept making Godfather movies... Right, like every every decade, there's after a new the Godfather. third one totally sucked. Well, I actually, think it's okay, but most people think Godfather three is inferior. Well, it's the, it's the lowest one. It's the lowest of the two. Yeah, absolutely. it's the lowest of the two. Yeah. But if they kept making them every five or ten years after that, like Francis Ford Coppola just kept <laughs> making these movies for some reason, and it's just like, man, you you gotta stop. Just let it die. Right. <laughs> let Robert De Niro and Al Pacino or whoever do something else. And they go on to do, well, here's the thing. He, he was on to something there because Robert De Niro and Al Pacino just kind of went on to do the same characters in, like, every other movie that they're in. Well, Martin Scorsese kept using them. Yeah, I mean, they just they kind of just did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. But, yeah, after Alien, Aliens... All the other movies after that just kind of gradually got shittier and shittier in well, different if we, ways. If we could, if we could include, and I just because these movies cross over so much, if we could include a Predator movie mm. in this, I will give my recommendations to that Predator movie with Adrian Brody. Oh, Predators! Predators! Uh, I still think that movie is awesome. I actually uh, never saw it. Really? No. Okay, so I missed it somehow. So that movie is is is. It's great. It's got Lawrence Fishburne, who is uh, doing essentially the only role that Lawrence Fishburne can do anymore, which is like homeless guy. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know why I just keep seeing him kind of do that. I feel like I've I've seen him just be like I'm a crazy guy, and every single movie he just becomes like he's just somebody with some sort of weird psychosis. But like Forrest Whitaker, yeah, like Forrest Forrest Whitaker kind of does the same thing, you know. He's got something <laughs> that's like, all right, well, okay. Um, but Predators is, uh, I would fully recommend that movie. It's it's awesome. There are some sweet scenes in that. And it makes sense, and it's simple, and it's it, it doesn't try to do too much with the whole universe of, of the Predators and stuff. It, it's really good. But anyways, moving on. Mo- plow, plowing ahead here. Let's just plow into it. Let's just get right into Prometheus. <laughs> Prometheus. 
to get the positive stuff out of the way first, which I like to do before we just tear into it, you know, like we like to do. Uh, I like the way this movie starts. There's some really nice kind of Terrence Malick-esque camera pans across this primordial earth and the whole initial creation sequence. This movie is, is very successful in establishing its tone. Is pretty it's cool, common. and the music and the score matches everything really well. It really set the tone very nicely and gave me the expectation that, ooh, this is cool. There's going to be this great mystery surrounding this here, and I'm on board to see how it all gets figured out, right? And I also, but at the same time, I remember seeing, I remember watching this movie, and I, I remember initially giving it the benefit of the doubt because I really did like how it began. And I liked the, throughout the, throughout the film, the art style and, and the actual visual aspect is, is amazing. And I can see why people let that sort of carry their experience, uh, all the way through the film. And they come out thinking that it's good. They don't allow themselves to go any deeper into it. They're just so kind of overwhelmed by the visual experience because it, you know, it's the same concept that avatar tried to do. You know, where it's like, we're going to try and overwhelm you with crazy visuals so that you don't notice that the story is dog shit and the acting is dog shit and nothing makes any sense and everybody sucks. Yeah, the only things that keep Prometheus from being unwatchable are, yes, the visuals, the cinematography, uh, a lot of the production and creature design, everything to do with the overall production side of things looks great and i think part of the reason why is because they got hr geiger back oh yeah the goat or at least he threw a notebook of some stuff at him i mean he he has so much he probably had some stuff lying around going like yeah um you can use this watching that documentary about hr geiger and like kind of the last the last years of his life Mm -hmm. uh where i can't remember what it was called uh i think we watched that one together yeah 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 and it was it was uh documentary about H.R. Geiger and, and, and sort of his final days. And he was just to the tour around his house and showing all of his artwork and stuff you know, he, he has so much material he is. And he was still doing stuff mm-hmm. up until like, you know, right before he died. And he was, uh, he had definitely tons of, of material that they could use. But going back to what I was saying earlier is that I kind of had a 50, 50 feeling when this movie began, because I, like I said, I really liked the way it looked. I liked the premise it was setting up, but I sort of had like an, oh oh boy moment because the premise they were setting up is something very huge in terms like, like existentially huge, you know, like they're trying to tackle the origins of humanity and the origins, like the purpose of earth and like these very like, you know, existential questions that are for one thing extremely vague and very lofty and hard to very difficult to boil them down into a narrative i would say the mysteries of the universe are the driving force the mysteries of the origin of life and the universe in general it's these are the driving forces behind this whole film yeah which is in itself a problem a little bit because if that shit was more like in the background, kind of yeah. like how it is in the original Alien movie, right? Right. right. It's, it's something that's sort of like it's it's there, but they're more dealing they're dealing with more localized things. You're wondering where that alien came from. Yeah. You're wondering how this whole future. You don't space got time to think about it about. because it's in the vents. Yeah. But ah! 
you're left to think about that on your own while the movie's just there to tell its story and focus on the characters, which is why it works so well. It's also just a straight-up good monster movie, you know? Like, these... To me, it's I, like, I actually like have a hard time sort of like placing uh, the original Alien films in either science fiction or horror. I mean, I know they're a combination of both, but the way that the, the tone and everything about the film, it leans in more towards horror than it does science fiction because the science fiction stuff is sort of like just the set piece. And I feel like when I watch something that's like science fiction, it, it deals more with those existential questions. It deals more with that stuff, which is what Prometheus tried to do. It tried to lean in more of that end, but it couldn't figure out how to do it. So it just fell back on, we're just going to make a horror movie. We're just going to make a horror movie and we're going to throw in some tropes from, from the, some of the other alien movies, which a lot of, was fan some service. of what, a lot of vague, fan, like oh, vague yeah. fan service. Exactly. Where, and I mean, that was, that was kind of the, the I, I remember this, they actually did a good job with the marketing of this film because I remember the marketing from this film. I remember the discussions on like, is this an alien prequel? Is it not an alien prequel? And then Ridley Scott kind of saying it wasn't. But then later on he was like, well, it might be. And he was just basically like playing coy. He was like, ooh, ooh, I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. (laughs) And he was... uh, uh, right before it came out, he was like, "Yeah, it is a it's a hard prequel to Alien. It's within that universe. It's within that whole thing. It's 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 how it all started, essentially." Yeah, well, they basically marketed this movie the same way they <laughs> promoted the original Alien Alien film. I remember that the trailer for Prometheus is modeled after the same trailer for the original Alien movie, and. The original Alien movie from the late 70s had such an awesome trailer. It's it really just, did. It's just the uh, alarm sound from the ship cut to different intense moments in the movie just kind of flashing at you. Right. And then at the end, the alien lettering just slowly shapes itself on right. the screen. And you're just left with this sort of very super, ominous, super ahead of its time. Very just feeling of dread that really sends a shiver down your spine and it's so good and then prometheus did the same thing and i think the trailer for prometheus is really good in the same way unfortunately the movie you see does not measure up hardly at all not nearly as much at least right right so essentially uh as the movie begins uh we get a scene of uh the um one of these one of these uh humanoid architect aliens coming down into the primordial earth and sacrificing himself throwing his dna or whatever into the waters and that's supposedly the uh catalyst to life uh multiplying and becoming prevalent on the planet and then we go into um the future where essentially there are scientists studying these cave paintings and studying this like these several different cave paintings on on several different parts of the world and they find they all match up and the movie is essentially the them investigating that and discovering that those cave paintings are a star map or or a map to a planet somewhere and so they're like fuck it let's build this trillion dollar this this multi multi trillion dollar spaceship and go and find it go go to these Let's just because of these cave paintings, let's build this giant fucking spaceship and let's let's go and figure it out. Hell yeah, dude. 
Yeah, it's awesome. But I don't. It's hard to know where to honestly begin with with Prometheus because there is so much going on. Essentially, the the whole project, the Prometheus project, is funded by Wayland Industries, which is like a conglomerate corp, mega Walmart, Apple company in the future that probably owns everything. It's what Amazon will eventually be. Eventually, Google, Amazon, Facebook. It'll all merge into one. And Time Warner and all these companies, or maybe all these tech companies, merge together. And yeah, it's just Unutech Comcorp Conglomo, right? Whatever. And you know, it's our dystopian corp- corporatocracy, corporatocratic, corporatocratic. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I worked that one out. Uh, you know, when you're making up words, you gotta you gotta figure it out for a second. I think one of the best places to really start with is the characters, right? Or what we would call characters. I say characters very loosely. They all have names. They're all played by actors. Right. They all have faces you recognize. Mm-hmm. Michael Fassbender, you know, is very nicely shaven. I remember that. Yeah. The movie starts with, well, after the opening scene, it starts with him just, just kind of hanging around, passing the time on the ship. He's dribbling basketballs. He's, yeah, David, the, uh, the onboard android who's, who is played by Michael Fassbender, who's kind of the caretaker of the ship. Yeah, he's watching movies, he's quoting Lawrence of Arabia, and that was one of the moments that I felt like something was wrong, when they show clips from, I didn't know it at this point, but they show clips from a better movie, <laughs> in the middle of your shitty movie. Yeah, it's probably, it's, it's a good rule of thumb, is that don't, don't have clips of, of better movies in your crappy movie. Yeah, like there's a Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode, where in one of the movies they watch, they have... Um, clips or references to Casablanca in it. Yeah. And it's like, hey, movie, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I'd rather be watching that right now. Instead, I'm watching this. All right, cool. I'm watching Mafia Never remind your audience that they could be watching something better than right. what you're showing. But yeah, then eventually the crew all wakes up. You get introduced to everybody else on the ship. Like you said, they're all day laborers or just the world's shittiest well, like, scientists yeah the, the world's shittiest scientists the, i could boil down their characters to like one or two sentences oh, go for it so besides michael fassbender he's the closest or david he's the he's the closest thing do we actually have to like a fleshed out character and i think part of it is just because he delivers such a great performance that elevates the script beyond what it originally had on paper right so you have our protagonist, you have Numi Rapace. I think I'm pronouncing her name right. She's a Swedish actress. She was in uh, 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 the Girl with the tra- Dragon Tattoo movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Might be what you recognize her from, the, the Swedish ones anyway. Yeah, the better ones. The better, right, the better ones. Um, you introduced to her husband. He's played by some guy. He looks like every fucking guy. And then he, you know, her, the husband is so funny because yeah. he, I don't know why they didn't just get Channing Tatum to play him. That would have been sweet because, because that would have been way better. It would have been way better because it would have he would have totally leaned into the whole like, like oh, sup babe, like we're gonna go to this planet and go aliens. We're gonna fuck we're gonna fight them. It's gonna be great, you know. Yeah, fuck that, babe. This bullshit. Uh. Like the entire time, it's like the dude's about ready to just go fucking lay down and on on the basketball court. Like 
I, I don't I don't understand how he's a scientist. Yeah, he reminds me of someone who probably really likes the I fucking love science uh, Facebook group. Right. <laughs> and loves Neil deGrasse Tyson and all those fucking people. Yeah, he's dope. Oh, man. Yeah. He fucking he fucking told that that guy off. Oh, just demolishing that guy with yeah. scientific facts. Watch Neil deGrasse Tyson own some retard. Uh, watch Neil deGrasse Tyson own Katy Perry yeah, in uh, her own she's so video stupid. promotion. Stupid! She doesn't know anything about stars. Yeah. Dumb bitch. Dumb fucking bitch! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're, in- we're introduced to him. Uh, we got Idris Elba. He's the captain of the ship. He's pretty chill, I guess. Yeah, I love me some Idris Elba. You know, he's uh, he's kind of sucks in this film. Even but, if he's wasted, he's still but he, good. He's drunk the entire time. Oh, I don't know yeah. what he, he's 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 a David Kerrigan the entire time. Like he is so fucking wasted. I can't. I mean, maybe that was like just he was trying to do something like that with the character to put that off. But it's just he really phoned it in. But I don't. I give Idris Elba a total pass from when it comes to Prometheus. I'm like, all right, who cares? Like all the good actors like went on to do good stuff too. Like yeah, well, like Charlize Theron is in this movie as well, right? And she's been really, really good in plenty of other movies. Here, she's just... I'm the... God, she's such a dumb bitch in this film, too. Like, her character is such a dumb bitch the entire time. It's so funny. Like, like oh, what's the quickest way to kill another person with a flamethrower? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> we have all these, like, shotguns and guns, but I'm going to choose the most painful, most unreliable, like, slowest method possible. That's you operating the flamethrower, isn't it? Are you bet your sweet ass it was, yeah, yeah. Was you? Yeah, and then, let me tell you, that, that that's one shit-fuck crazy weapon you, you, you do not want to be on the wrong side of, boy, oh boy. Well, she plays the cold daughter of the, of Waylon Sr., and she's, her whole character just pretty much boils down to, I just want to do this stupid mission, and I hate my dad because he loves this David robot more than he loves me. Right. You never loved me. You never loved anyone, Dad. And it's boring, and it's it's tired. It's, it, well, it's not really... That, that aspect of her character has no real weight on anything that happens in the film. There's no arc for her at all. She just is a cold, cold, angry person, and she dies a cold angry person yeah it's nothing it, it doesn't really it, her character serves no purpose whatsoever she finally calls her dad father at the end when she's trying to get something from him and that just falls completely flat because you realize oh that's all this was leading towards so that's that's the whole character arc oh great all right moving on yeah so we got all those characters in there there's some other people who are just part of the crew, but they're, they're there to, they don't matter. They're there to d- get killed by the aliens. They're there just to be xenomorph or, or alien fodder. Yeah, they're, they're there. They serve no other purpose. And it's so funny because some of the other characters are like, you know, Oi, I'm a geologist. Yeah, yeah, I'm a fucking geologist. I love rocks, you know? I'm here because I love rocks and I love money. I'm yeah. just here to get paid. It's like, that's the guy? Is it? I love how, like, look. Number one, you're sending this interplanetary uh, mission. You're sending this mission across the stars. It requires like hypersleep to get to the destination. It's this big. It's the most expensive thing the planet has ever done. Like the whole planet put their resources together to make this ship. 
primarily because, well, there's this small sort of subplot that they're kind of looking for a new planet to colonize. You know, they're kind of exploring that like earth. It's in the, it's way, it's like a hundred years in the future from now. And I'm, I'm assuming there's some sort of like uh, climate related underlying problem going on to where we're looking for another planet to possibly colonize. Uh, yeah, that's explored further in the sequel to this. It's, it's, it's more further in the but the yeah, sequel, it's but it's definitely my in point there. Is, my point is, is like this is a very important mission. It's a very important thing that they're doing. It's not just like uh, a stab in the dark, which it, it kind of is a little bit. But why would why would you not just have a crew full of David? Maybe they could only afford one. Okay, so you can build a ship that can travel light years and light years and light. It just it has all this stuff on it. And you can you get one David. Maybe you have a couple Davids. Maybe you have three. So so that if one breaks, we have another one. I think it's because it's a movie. And <laughs> a bad movie. And why do we have all these idiots as the crew? Why these guys like seem we're not gonna the send... most underqualified people. And that's the point I'm yeah. actually trying to get to here is that I really don't like in movies how characters are played down in terms of intelligence and in terms of like their relatability to the audience so because they're like oh well we have to have we can't have a bunch of characters in this film that are all super smarty pants brilliant geniuses and you know like the like the best of the best where these are the guys that we weeded out out of millions of people to be selected for this mission and you know, they're, it's, it's up to them. It's like, no, it's like, we don't do that. They used to do that in older movies. In older movies, like, people used to enjoy watching people that were really good at their jobs perform well. You know what I mean? And now it's like, people want to see dum-dums fuck it up. And I just think that's a shame, you know? It's a shame, because it just sets up, every single film like this is kind of set up the same way, where it's like, the only reason anything goes wrong is because of somebody's dumb mistakes. The mm-hmm. only reason anything happens bad, it, it, the only reason bad things happen to anybody, especially in these films, is because of just pure stupidity, like pure unabashed, like unforgivable stupidity. And I think it just takes me out of the film, like completely. It just takes me out because I'm like, man, why couldn't? What's wrong with competence? Seriously, why can't we just? What, what's wrong with that? Like, why is it such a thing in films where you can't have competent people? You have to have these fucking lollygagging artards out there just like well let's just fuck it let's take our helmets off like oh that was a fine planet let's go poke around there for a little bit like oh okay there's an alien snake thing let me touch it yeah i want to get into that shit all right so we so we're introduced to these guys they land on the planet they're about to go exploring oh and sorry one last thing is when they're coming down to the planet and they see structures they're like yeah, look at that. Nobody is like. Nobody is is this is this is something that happened in Tenet too with the whole like oh oh well, there's time travel well cool how does it work blah, blah 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 it's like there's so much of that in this film in these two movies where it's like they're like oh yeah there's aliens okay cool yeah so they're on an uncharted planet right right never touched by anyone or at least anyone human right, right. they enter a giant facility a kind of spaceship that they found they say that 
they if, that appears to be a spaceship, right? Yeah. And they see these exoskeleton suits of these things they call the engineers, who are yeah. supposed to be the creators of life on Earth. They see like statues, kind of 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 the yeah of the aliens. They yeah. see all this ancient architecture and statues. Yeah, these giant temple walls, like huge huge stone carved out heads and everything. And there's just such a little sense of awe or wonderment. They actually show it on the screen to the people on the ship while they're the other guys are off exploring and it's like, Hey, do you see this? Do you see this? And like, yep. Copy that. Yeah. I see it. I see it. It looks, Oh, well, ain't that just the darnest thing? And look, if you saw this shit on earth, it would be blowing your fucking mind. Right? Oh yeah. If you saw like a temple, if I went to a place on earth, that was a temple that looked like that or a place that looked like that, I would be absolutely floored. So, and it's even bigger when it's on, an alien planet. <laughs> I thought it was insane when they come down to the planet and they see water. Yeah. It's like, holy shit, there's fucking water here. Yeah. It's raining. Holy fuck. So I want to get into Helmet Gate real quick. Uh, hashtag Helmet Gate. I yeah. like to call it that. I just, I'm going with it. Absolutely. I'm proud of my hashtag there. So this is the point in the movie where I officially realized. I'm watching a shitty movie. Yeah. With dumb people and that and they're going to they're going to get bad things are going to happen to them because and, of this. And the director or the filmmakers also think I'm stupid or and and the whole audience is stupid because the fact that this was kept in the movie and just so nonchalantly it wasn't done. just kept in the movie. It's something that permeates throughout all the way into the second to into Alien Covenant as well, to where at least in at, at least for, I'll give Prometheus this, at least they started with helmets. They did. They had <laughs> space helmets on in the Covenant. They just walk right out without anything on. They're like, "Yep, it's fine." Yeah, it's worse in Covenant. I would oh, say. Oh, it's so much worse. But look, go, but yeah, going but, back uh, to that, going but back yeah. To- so. Okay, so to refresh, yeah, they land on the planet, they have their helmets on, they go and explore the uh, this inner uh, temple or facility or ship. Yeah, they read their Apple watches. And it's yeah, like, they read oh. their telecommunicators or their little uh, wristwatch devices, and one of them goes, oh, the, the air appears to be breathable, there's oxygen, they are terraforming here. Oh, well, <laughs> hey guys, I'm going to do something crazy. <laughs> and he takes off his helmet. And they're like, see, it's great. And then one they of the They don't other even per- really try to stop him that hard. No, they're like, they're like, 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 they're like hey. They're like, hey, it's probably not a good idea. All right, if you want to. And then one of the other scientist people goes, he's right. It's even cleaner. It's even cleaner than on Earth. And then they all just subsequently take their helmets off. You, and are, I'm just on, you are on an alien planet inside of a... T- of a structure that they made a place we didn't even know they went to this planet because they just saw that that's where the map led them. They had no prior knowledge that there was anything on the planet living or dead or anything like that. There was none, there was none of that. Okay. They had like a, they scanned like the atmosphere and they knew that it was like the air was shitty outside of the structures or outside, uh, you know, initially they, they saw the air was bad. And then they go down and they're on a place a totally just, just light years away. They have no idea what could be living down there. 
Because you, you got to think that, like, well, hey, if there's oxygen, it's breathable, there's water, there might be something fucking alive in here. I'm just wondering, why do they feel the need to do that in the first place? Because... What's for, the point? I was just thinking, are the helmets uncomfortable? Are they really cumbersome to wear? It's one of those existential moments. Because... It's like a cathartic thing. Where, where Why not just take off your whole suit? Why, yeah. why, why just the helmet? It's, like a, it's a cathartic thing where it's like the guy is like, well, look, I'm, I'm here on this planet... It's it's an amazing experience. Like I want to experience. I want to breathe this air, and I get that, I get that. But that's that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Any any scientist, anybody, any competent person would not have done that, you know. And it's just, I don't know, man. It, so it's it just takes yeah. you right out. It's just wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. After that, some of them have to stay behind. Some of them go back to the ship, and the other guys are just poking around exploring around in there and yeah like you said the 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 rock the rock guy the geologist and this other guy who's just some stupid guy are just poking around he sees this kind of freaky looking snake thing yeah this this an alien creature like you wouldn't do that to a snake on earth right you wouldn't come up to a king cobra and be like, hey, little guy. Yeah, yeah. Hey. yeah. So they get they they encounter this you know this this snake horrific leech looking lamprey thing that slithers up to them and postures and looks aggressive. And it uh, the, the, one of the scientists is like a like a biologist guy. He thinks he can like cuddle with it. <laughs> he thinks that he can pat it on the head and it will become his friend. Uh, which I don't know. Like, yeah, I agree with you. Like, even I know most biologists that i've seen on tv or like videos and stuff like that they are extremely like vigilant and cautious around every type of dangerous wildlife and they say explicitly over and over and over again in reality if you come across a rattlesnake you should just leave it alone yeah. you know it's like um you know yeah i get that it's it's you know again yes we know this is a movie and it's not you know anything to go off of you know in terms of real life but at the same time when something is this incompetent it's just makes it not believable which takes you out of the movie which breaks the whole immersion of it which which is like the whole point of the stuff right yeah exactly and then just dumb stuff just kind of keeps happening from there right you'd think that would maybe be the only smart thing that was ever said was the rock geologist guy as soon as he saw the dead body of the alien he was like i want to leave yeah i want to <laughs> go back to the ship you guys compete keep that was the being smartest idiots. thing that was said throughout the entire film in a way he's the smartest character in yeah. the movie yeah that happens uh he gets bitten and he dies and then also it, it like wraps around him and suffocates yeah, him it gets in his suit and just kind of chokes him to death yeah and then the other guy gets his helmet broken and he just falls into a pool of the black goo yeah the goo which is sort of like this life and death force that can either sort of help create a, a being or just or just or just kill you yeah it's like antimatter almost where it just if it comes in contact with another biological thing it it destroys it but if it is introduced a certain way into the environment it can create life right so in the case of rock man it just turns him into monster man right and he comes back to the ship and they have to kill him and then the uh the other guy oh 
uh, speaking of the black goop, David just decides. Well, he takes one of the cylinders, right? And yeah. He, so this is gonna be this is gonna be a, a a continuing conversation on David. I I could do an entire episode on David alone, sure. Because he uh, starts acting funny pretty early on in the film. He starts acting a little bit weird, and no, we don't know why. Uh, it's assumed at the very beginning of the film, we're kind of explained as to what David is and, and, and what his main main directive is, and that is to, you know, ensure the safety of the crew, to operate the ship because he's a robot. He can op- he can he's an android. He can understand and solve problems like instantly. So he makes the perfect tool to be used to like help operate the ship while everybody else is in hypersleep and just kind of analyze things and and you know it makes sense why he's he's there and what doesn't make sense is his fascination with all the creatures and, and all the stuff that's happening in there because well for one thing like i said before nobody knew that any of this stuff was here at all so you're telling me that david just assumed on on his own he decided to start let's start fucking around with all the alien shit it wasn't explained very at all and i feel like this is one of those deleted scene situations where maybe he maybe yeah you could was be right. getting some kind of orders from wayland or something like hey he brought that little he brought that thing with the black goo back right and maybe fuck around with that a little bit well i mean he and, was because the well, whole point of the twist well the twist of the movie is that wayland was just the whole point of the trip was for wayland to find like the fountain of youth yeah for he him. wanted to figure out a way for the engineer people to to cure make him, him of his of being oldness old. yeah cure him of old old itis and <laughs> but yeah so david takes one of these canisters back found in the uh in the place they were at and yeah, he just takes a little bit of it and or a little bit of that black goose stuff. He just pops it into the 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 husband's uh, drink. He's just he's just hanging around at his pool table, just getting drunk, just like oh man, what a bummer, dude. Yeah, man. yeah, we didn't get the answers we were looking for. Oh Ugh. no, we didn't just discover an alien planet with structures on it, and they found a dead alien body and brought it on the ship, and they found a dead alien body and the head of the body, and they 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 found actually like basically the, the most important they just got there too the most important scientific discovery ever made ever the only reason they went back to the ship was sulking. because there was a fucking storm right. coming and they there had was the, a storm coming you know there was a storm happening in the terraverse or whatever the fuck and they so he's like oh man we didn't get the answers we're looking for i'm like dude you've been here like a few hours a few hours you're gonna well We'll go back. What answers? Like, it's so just too. He, he wants to know. It's like, like what's... Yeah, like, what's the meaning of life? Like, ugh. It, it's, it's, that's all you... What do you want to know? It's so stupid. So anyway, David spikes his drink, and he's like, all right. He drinks it, and then he goes off to fuck his wife, and then... And that's... And he, that, so he's yeah. infected with this thing. He simul- He unknowingly infects his wife with part of it too and this is funny because when this scene happens when 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 the they have their sex scene it's like later on there's a it it calls back and it gives you it basically tells you the reason why 
there was a sex scene at all is because she becomes pregnant, so it becomes important later. But the way it's introduced into the film, it seemed like it came off to me like this is just here. You know, like the plot and the narrative didn't set itself up for anything really intimate to happen between these characters at all. Like the chemistry is so bad between these two people that them right. have that them having they don't you don't feel like they actually love each other ever. Like they don't like the romance is not established like what at all to the point where it's like when they have their sex scene, it's so forced. It's like it reminded me of uh, you know, the Star Wars prequels with Anakin and and uh Natalie Portman, whatever the fuck her stupid character was. Padme? P- Padme, yeah. Queen Abba Dhabba? Abba Dhabba? Queen, Queen Abu Dhabi. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating. And it gets everywhere. Not like here. Here everything is soft. And smooth. It reminded me of their relationship a little bit. Not quite that level of bad, because that's all that's that's the worst probably the worst love relationship in a movie I've ever seen. The worst romance I've ever seen in a movie ever. But this in, in Prometheus, it's just not established. So when they have their sex scene, it feels so forced. And I was thinking to myself, like and I was laughing about it, I was thinking to myself, is what if this is just here? And nothing comes from it after it. Like, there's no... It doesn't call back to it, you know? And, and that's kind of how it felt going forward until way at the end, or way towards the, the, in the third act, it, it's like, oh, okay, that's why they had the sex scene because he's pregnant with the alien shit. Sure, yeah. yeah. Like, and like you said, if these characters weren't introduced as husband and wife, it could just easily not be... You wouldn't have... No, you would not see it at all. Together at all. They at would all. just be scientist buddies. Yeah. And the, that would be... Because movie, the movie itself is very asexual. It's very, but when the movie does try to include some kind of sexuality into it, it just that's when it always feels like, Ugh. you know, <laughs> like that's right. When it well, always, like, like with Idris Elba and Charlize Theron. Yeah, he's there's just like this sort of random scene where they're hanging out, or yeah. he's he's just watching the people he's, who he's, are still inside the yeah, engineer. It, it's uh, late night temple, yeah. and and he just starts talking to Charlie's there and he's just like basically like hey you want to fuck yeah, yeah. she's they're like t- how dare you they're talking about something totally different until he's just like no hey you know you want you want to fuck and she's like yeah she's like how dare you uh but at the same time you're aegis elba so yeah come to my room in like 10 minutes uh, i don't care how drunk you are you get over here <laughs> <laughs> So the husband gets flamethrowered to death after they find out he's infected, and he just kind of welcomes yeah, the, it. The goop that David put in his drink like causes him to essentially like just just explode on the inside. Yeah, he starts. He gets this disease kind of thing where yeah, he becomes crazy. So for some reason, in every Alien movie, at least as far as I can tell, has to have something being killed by a flamethrower. It's as is tradition. As is tradition, because Ripley did it in the first two Alien movies. I think it's in Alien 3. Yeah, but she, did she kill an alien with it? Yes. So that makes sense. Like, that would be the callback. If you're going to do a callback to something like that, you would have the flamethrower kill an alien. Well, the, the, the they did this callback with the flamethrower. Like I mentioned earlier, it's like the, the husband character shows back up to the ship all fucking 
messed up from that thing and Charlize Theron just flamethrowers him. It's <laughs> yeah, because in Aliens, yeah, she was torching the alien nest with all the, the eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like in Alien... Res- Which makes sense. That's what you would use to kill that. Yeah, yeah, and in Alien Resurrection, she torches all the other Ripley clones. You know, the kill me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she just, she just flamethrowers them because... That's a painless way to yeah, <laughs> kill it's a, something. It's super, it's, it's real fast. It's the most quick. humane way. It's the most humane way to, to do To execute anyone is with yeah. a flamethrower. I guess there's worse ways to execute somebody, but. You know, and what's what's crazy is that, you know, like the wife is there seeing her husband all fucked up and dying. And he's like, you know, kill me, like do it. It'll be better for the whole mission. If Now he's just like, come at me, bro. Do yeah, it. Do it, do it, do it. It's just like for her own sanity and her own thing she just like watches her husband get like cooked to death and i just think like man wouldn't you be just like completely broken after that yeah she seems to kind of just kind of move on i don't know (laughs) well because okay this is another trope every alien movie has a fucking badass chick on there right because they don't and because they don't have sigourney weaver anymore who was like perfect at playing that kind of role yeah they keep trying to make it happen again with like a different actress not to say like the actress in prometheus is bad she's been good in other things of course but if they want to make her like ripley and this also happens in alien covenant too we'll 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 get to that but yeah they're just not really selling me on it and from there she doesn't have much time to worry about her husband being flamethrowered because oh right 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 right, she's pregnant yeah that's straight and she has a a very, uh, but it's, it's, a very a, it's established that she can't get pregnant. And oh, then right, she, yeah. And then she is, then she gets, finds out that David tells her that she is, and he's all creepy about it. And yeah, he seems to just kind of know that was going to happen. Yeah, so, so our lead character has a, a very traumatic and intense and also very silly and ridiculous alien abortion scene which at least for me is i kind of liked it a highlight of I, the I, film. I i i liked i liked the scene itself the premise of the scene i think is great it's set up well uh they they set up that machine that can perform surgery essentially you lay in it and like robot hands can perform surgery on you and they sort of set it up before they they show the machine off a little bit at the beginning of the movie which is one of the few like i guess competent things that they do in the film is they properly set something up and use it later yeah so it's Chekhov's gun yeah you know and um, you show a gun early on in the movie well you better use that gun later you gotta fucking use a gun um and basically she's you know like the the alien's about to burst out of her stomach and so she goes in there and has uh has it removed and it's this awesome scene where the alien gets like kind of like like pulled out of her stomach and it's like like snapping at her and stuff and I was like that ah, that's that's great. When the movie leans into the body horror stuff, yeah, it's pretty good. Like there's another part where they recover one of the engineer heads and yeah, they try yeah. and get it to be alive or something again, yeah, or they try and bring it back and explodes and it just kind of wakes up and it's like. And his head just explodes into yeah, fucking, fucking scanner into style, fucking yeah. gory goop. And like that shit's great uh, when it happens. Unfortunately, the whole sequence doesn't really have much of a point, really, because they after never, she, they never come back to it. Because once she, <laughs> because none of the crew knew about this besides right. David. And she runs off to do this on her own. And when she comes out of it, 
She's just kind of sore around there. Oh, yeah, when she goes and gets the abortion done. After she, having that thing amputated or C-sectioned off her yeah. and have her, having her stomach just violently stapled and lasered shut, it's like, okay, I'm willing to like have a suspension of disbelief, but I know for sure if that was to actually happen to somebody, no matter how many shots of like morphine she got there, they kept on doing that. They kept on yeah, penning they, her. They kept on showing her like just constantly like yeah, like just just ripping morphine. And you wouldn't be able to move around that much. <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe you could. Or maybe I, I don't know. I can kind of sus- I can suspend disbelief in that because well, the scene of the actual the whole C-section scene that happens is a great it's it's a good one. It's a good scene. I'd rather it be in the movie than not in the movie. And in order for her to kind of like continue with the plot, she has to be able to move around a little bit. And so I sort of give that a bit of a pass. Yeah, they couldn't have her just in a wheelchair. Yeah, I mean, it would just kind of, I feel like the movie would grind to a complete halt if that happened, you know? Um, Fair enough. So they could have done something with it and had her be all just, uh, they could have had other characters, you know, carry the plot forward. Because, I mean, it's not like what they do with her is any makes is it is any good really it's it's not like you know and you see in the next movie it's like it doesn't matter what happens to her <laughs> she you know it's just <laughs> i mean it kind of does but it's, it's 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 a way of background kind of thing that comes into play way later after that old man wayland is discovered to actually still be on the ship right and it's supposed to be this big twist but it was just kind of like Okay. okay. It was just, it was just, okay. It was like just the next scene. It just essentially. Because you only really see him in one scene early on where he's just a hologram delivering this uh, presentation to the crew after they wake up about the mission and why they're doing it. And he also throws a little jab at David for no reason, saying, Oh, uh, David's the most advanced thing we've ever created, but he doesn't have one thing that we have, which is a soul. <laughs> which is such a hack fucking. Uh, there's some lines in this. Let me digress a little bit. Mm-hmm. So there are some lines in this where I feel like they were trying to hint at some sort of larger theme or some sort of part of character development, but it just falls completely flat because it's only like one line or two. And the scene with like the rock man and dumb guy when they're in the engineering place, the engineer, what is it? A temple, a ship? I just, It's just, oh, you mean like the... Not the star map room, but the just just like the, the hallways, the hall. Yeah, well, they're in they're in they're in. Yeah, they're in. It's it becomes a ship later, but it's more like an installation, I guess. Yeah, like it's like a, just the, the structure, the temple. There's the one temple throwaway thing. line where the dumb guy says, like, oh, we got to get out of here. And they're like, oh, I'll, and the rock guy is like, I'll come with you. And just this line where he says, and I thought and I thought you were the crazy one. I'm like, why? Because he. <laughs> He introduced himself in a friendly way earlier on. Yeah, like when they... He's like, hi, nice to meet you. And he's like, what are you doing? What's your business trying to shake my hand? Yeah. Fuck uh, you. And then later on... I don't care about you. I'm not here to make friends. I'm I'm just here to get money and get... It's like... All right. (laughs) All right, so your character... Your character is a a character... You want money, and you like rocks. That's it. It would have been funny if they got Jason Statham to play him. He basically was, he was like, if they put Jason Statham, Jason Statham, yeah. <laughs> put Jason Statham and like Conor McGregor in like a, a, a <laughs> in, in, in like a hedron collider, 
and they just fucking shot him around that donut and they just crash into each other. That's that's what we get. <laughs> He's like but, a Gears of War character. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A fucking space grug. Yeah. So yeah, old man uh, Waylon, you find out he's still on the ship, and he David takes him and uh, some of the rest of them gets his feet washed. Yeah, he gets his feet washed. He takes them to the engineering quarters, and they revive the engineer. And David tries to communicate with him some kind of language. It's like Arabic or something. Some kind of in- which is like it's so it's so stupid because. Why would it speak any language on Earth? I was Why? just wondering what Why the hell language is supposed stuff? to be. And, I don't, and honestly, like, the entire... Okay, so the twist of the film was that... Well, they originally thought that they were on this kind of exploring mission or they were trying to... They are getting answers because they found this these cave paintings all around the world that depicted uh, the same sort of image of this these five stars they found out. And it's one of those things where all the cave paintings were like hundreds of years apart from each other and thousands and thousands of miles away from each other that it it's, can't just be a coincidence. It's got to be something here to it. And so they're following that logic and they, they figured out, uh, based on the cave paintings, they found a, a star map that matched the cave paintings and that's where the planet is and that's how they got the directions to the planet. And so that's all the information they had. That's it. That's all the information they had. And so uh, they didn't even know that there were such things as these engineers. There's, there, how could they? they? There's no way they knew about them. And so they get to this planet, and they happen to be here, and they happen to find one of them still alive in a little hypersleep chamber. And they think it's a good idea to just be like, you know, like, like, like wake up, bitch. Like, wake up. Like, just, just I want to talk to you. And they, they open it up, and, and Waylon's plan is to ask him to make him young again. And I'm just thinking, like, man, <laughs> this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. This is a childish plot. This is such, like, a... That's like if a 10-year-old wrote a script, you know? Like, it's, it's really that level of incompetence where it's like, what do you think is going to happen? At least the movie does do what would happen. Yeah. I, I'm going to give the movie a point here because... It does do what you think it should do, which is the alien just says, just just picks up people and starts ripping them in half. Yeah, he the the engineer guy just kind of hulks out and yeah. just starts, like you said, yeah, just throwing people around and tearing their heads off, which kind of makes me question what was the point of leaving those star maps in those ancient cave paintings in the first place the point of the cave paintings makes no sense whatsoever because we find out later that the planet that they're on is not the alien planet where they are from where the engineers are from it's like this just desolate planet where they test weapons why would they leave a star map to that on earth yeah if they're gonna leave them to their sort of battle station only to just want to kill them yeah and then when they do show up they follow the star map and they show up and say hi we're here he just starts ripping everybody's heads off there's a there's some kind of disconnect there for sure you know they have all the they're following these weird intricate these weird sort of prompts and the only time the 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 plot of the actual like the way the movie moves through its its narrative all has to do with people just getting punished for being stupid Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing that moves anything 
throughout the film. We never in the film we never actually like learn anything really about the engineers. You learn more about them in in Covenant a little bit. Not actually too much more. You just more you just see more of them. Yeah. You see their planet. But you don't know anything about them. You see their planet and their city, I guess. Yeah. But you don't learn anything about why they do what they do, other than the fact that they made essentially like a, a, a you know, a biological weapon. Right. So it turns out that the engineer they actually wanna destroy the earth. They actually wanna destroy their creation. You're not really sure why. Yeah. But that's their plan. That's why he gets back into his cool fucking cockpit and uh, starts putting in the coordinates to basically take the ship to launch an attack on Earth and just be done with all of the human species. So when they, re- when they realize this, they go back to the ship and they try and stop them from getting the ship to go far enough to do that, which leads to... A lot more stupidity. Which is my favorite dumb moment in the entire film. Like, more than Helmet Gate, more than anything else. They see that... They they all find out, one way or another, that this... The alien guy, the engineer, is going to, you know, fly to Earth and destroy it. So their only plan is to ram the ship they flew there in into his ship as it's taking off. And... It's kind of like the big finale. And Idris Elba, who's the captain of the ship, and he's got his two like navigators. His, his he's got his Sulu and his uh, his his Spock uh, on 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 his on his flanks. And he tells them he's just like, you know, he tells uh, Charlie Theron is there too. And he was like, tell her, he's like, hey, you might as well. You gotta go to that escape pod because me and the boys here, we're about to kill ourselves. Like, yeah, they're just gonna kamikaze the ship. Yeah, and, then, and, and he's Idris Elba comes up with the plan. He's just like, there is one way we could stop it, and the two guys are like, totally like, cool. They're like, they're stoked to kill themselves for the for the plan for the cause. They're stoked to die. I mean, I understand. You're, if Idris Elba told you to, even if Idris Elba told me to do something like that, I probably wouldn't do it. it I, for I'd think about it for a second, but. Well, there's no question from them about about doing that. None of them su- try and They're suggest- like laughing and joking about it. They're like, ha yeah, let's run, kill ourselves. They don't even try and suggest another plan or ask them, hey, is there anything else I mean, that's, we that's could a do? Good, that's a good crew. Instead? That's a good crew Is there right anything there. we can do besides just mm-hmm. killing ourselves? That's a good soldier. A good soldier doesn't ask questions like that. <laughs> and, yeah, and instead their response is, hey, we made it this far. We might as well just end it here. You, aye, aye, Captain. Just yeah. we made it this far. We might as well die. <laughs> Does that mean our bet is is off or whatever? Yeah, they it? make some sort of joke. It's just like, oh hey, you owe me twenty bucks. Yeah, I'll give it to you on the other side, brother. <laughs> it's just I don't. It's so I saw that I was like, man, like these guys are just they're totally fine with this this kamikaze thing right now. There's no intense like questioning. Like even if they still did it. You could you could have that happen, yeah. But you but it would it would be more intense and more emotion. It would be it would be a better a scene that that would pay off a little bit better if there was some sort of resistance to it that they that maybe Idris Elba broke through or maybe he, you know, you don't, you don't he doesn't have to give like some crazy speech or anything like that to like motivate them to die, but because that probably wouldn't work. But you can do something. I don't know. It's just 
it's not prompted by anything. Like they just they're just they jump right up at it. Yeah, so they hit the ship. It works? Yeah, I mean, of course it works. They ran a giant ship into another ship, and then, it, it, yeah, it breaks it. So, I guess, fair enough, and the big donut hits the ground. So, yeah, like you said, uh, Charlize Theron, she gets one of the, went to the, gets to one of the escape pods just in time, and it crashes, and both her and, uh, whatever the main character, Shaw, is that her name? The main character? Yeah, yeah, Shaw is the main the main chick, the main scientist. Okay, so her and Shaw, yeah, are on there. The ship hits the ground, and this starts rolling forward at them. Yeah, it's like a big donut. So like a wheel? A, so when it hits, yeah, it's like a wheel. So when it hits the back onto the, to the planet, it starts rolling like a wheel. And instead of the characters, like, just moving out of the way from the wheel, they try to, like, outrun it with it right behind them. It's so, so, <laughs> it's, <laughs> instead of just, like, sidestepping this thing, they're just like, yeah, <laughs> they just run straight forward. It's so stupid. Yeah, it's just one stupid thing there's like, after there's another. The, there's one direction that you could run that's the worst direction to run, and it's really obvious which direction that is, and you have all these other options around you to run to. It's like if I was on a train track, and I saw a train coming directly at me, and I decided to just run like down run the away. tracks. <laughs> I'd ru- you run away from the train, but on the tracks. Yeah. Instead of just stepping off to the side and letting it pass. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Unless you can somehow run 100 miles an hour. Yeah. It- you're not going to outrun this thing. All right. So, yeah. Uh, Charlize Theron just gets crushed in a funny, in a very comical kind of way. <laughs> just, yeah. it, you see it coming down and she just goes, and then you just got david and he got david's severed head on the ground another alien trope by the way we have to have the android or robot's head broken off at some point and laying on the ground you gotta have that like yogurt shooting that buttermilk shooting out of him you gotta have the white milk blood yeah yeah just sort of which why i I mean i don't know it's fine uh i don't this is very nitpicky but i'm just like man we're that far in the future why would it have little milk why it wouldn't have milk blood yeah i just i'm just i'm just i'm just this is not nothing to do with if they want to put milk blood in the movie i think i think that's fine but i'm just talking i'm just i'm just spitballing here that i feel like if david was a real thing he wouldn't have any liquids in him yeah it makes you start thinking about the actual technical structure of this robot in the it's first like, place wouldn't we be more advanced than like a bunch of tubes with milk in them and again the internet is not something that you just dump something on it's not a big truck it's, it's a series of tubes yeah you know what i mean like like i think it's not like it's not like you have it's not like you have to fucking you know fill up your phone with gasoline I guess you know what I mean? it was more. I, I think it was more of a continuity thing where, yeah, since Prometheus the, is a prequel to Alien, and Alien had that. Oh, you're right. That's actually, yeah, no, you're right because it's a prequel, so they have to go along with that. That same thing. That no, that makes sense. Yeah, no. So I'm. That's fine. I just think it's kind of funny that that's. It's just there. If as you're a looking trope. at sci-fi from a, like a '70s perspective, then it would make sense, you know. Because mm-hmm. the way that people thought about the future back then is much different. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> it's they, I love, uh, I lo- I love 70s and 80s movies about the future because they project their shitty technology. Yeah. 
they just, into the they current, make their into the time it's supposed own to be. shitty technology just do more things. Yeah, yeah, it's like a toast, a toaster that's a flashlight. Right, right, right. Or somehow in the future, two like hundreds of years into the future, we're still use it. We're still listening to eighties pop music. <laughs> yeah, everybody still dresses like fucking Madonna. <laughs> yeah, it's like the style. Everybody still dresses like Blondie. You know, like, the style never changed. The yeah, the fashion didn't really change much. And neither did much of the technology. It just became a sort of more advanced form of uh, well, everybody what they just had already. you know everybody just started wearing like more like shoulder pads, and you had like you had like 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 weird metal vests, you know. Instead just, of the you keyboard, just, you just yeah. put the you just put the antennas in the side of your head. Yeah, you know, instead of the, the instead of the keyboards being on the table, now they're on the wall. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It must be the future. Tropes aside, Shaw and David then realize, uh, I guess we're the only ones left. Let's try and uh, figure out what those engineers' plan all was and see why they wanted to kill us. Yeah, well, they they do this thing do. where it's like they do this thing where it's like everybody's dead. Uh, the engineer that woke up is dead. It, they they let out a, xeno, a xenomorph got out, and they you know, or not a xenomorph, but the fucking alien that was taken out of Shaw's stomach. Oh yeah, it was kind of a squid up, looking like a thing. Squid looking thing, like grows up and and eats the engineer and stuff. And so it's just at the very end, everybody's dead. It's just Shaw and David, and um, David's like, oh. I could fly us back to Earth on that alien ship. Like, it still works. I could, we could repair it and blah, blah, blah. Like, somehow we can just, you know, repair it and fly back to Earth. And she's like, well, there's nothing there for me. I'm going to just fly to the, I'm going to, there's nothing there for me on Earth. Like, I'm going to fly to their planet. I'm going to, I'm going to get those answers that my, my fucking dumbass husband wanted so bad. And, (laughs) It's just, it's, that logic, it just, that is so stupid. I think I'd want to go home after all of that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I don't think, understand the whole, there's nothing for me there on Earth. Uh, it's Earth. It's a whole planet. There's all sorts of things there. Uh, her logic is just, I mean, maybe it's like, oh, she's just so traumatized that she's, she's going to continue the mission or something. And it's just like... I don't know why, because the only impression she got from the engineers is that they want to rip our heads off. Yeah. So they don't seem really cool with meeting us. They don't seem cool with talking or meeting us or anything like that. So I think that if you flew to the planet where there was a planet of them, I don't think you would, you know, by by that logic, you're probably not going to last that long. It sounds like a fruitless planet. It sounds like a dumb idea. David was like, let's go back to Earth. I mean, we find out later that David is evil for some reason that makes no sense and so maybe he would have just not flown her back to earth and flown her to the planet anyways but at the same time it's like man why are you going there i kind of get it a little bit it just seems like well we got to end the movie so we'll leave the rest of it there for the sequel it seemed everything seems like it was just written as it went along like we said before Oh yeah, it was just written as it was just. We, they had a couple of ideas. They had an idea for like the whole. It seemed like the whole self surgery scene was probably one of the most thought out things. They probably thought about that first, or, or or towards towards the beginning. They thought about that scene and 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 for like whatever body horror 
stuff they wanted to do. They probably figured all that out first. Mm-hmm. And then they sort of built a story around that. And everything just kind of seems winged towards the end. It seems there's a point where you can just kind of tell when the script stops. I think that it is the most apparent with what you said, which is with the very final shot of the film, which is the dead engineer having this sort of proto xenomorph. Yeah, like a beta version. Birth out of him. Yeah. And it's supposed to be this big reveal. They film it like it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of fading in and out of black and white as this thing starts emerging out of the carcass. And it kind of looks like something out of a like a Chris Cunningham, like Aphex Twin. Right, yeah. Come to Daddy video. It's this thin, skeletal, sort of muscular, but also very grotesque looking thing. Yeah, contortion, contortionist kind of thing. And yeah, it just, it just opens its jaw up and just starts roar or starts kind of roaring at you and kind of pops its little mini mouth thing out. And that's the last shot of the film. And man, I remember seeing, that's another point. I remember seeing that in theaters and just that last shot just making me just bust out laughing. <laughs> I was just like, Oh, Oh yeah, of course. All roads lead to the Xenomorph. Right. That's yeah. all. That's what these movies do, man. And Kind of like what you were saying earlier about fan service and stuff was, man, we made an alien movie, but we didn't get really get the xenomorph in it. Yeah, we didn't get to we didn't get to God. I swear to God, I feel like that was a concept thing. And it is actually. I looked it up, and they never got to a real like. They never really figured out a way to sort of work that into the the script that they had or the plot that they had, and so they just kind of tacked it on at the end. I actually <laughs> looked it up because I was curious about how this all ties in canonically yeah you're pretty right on there this thing is like i said too a a kind of proto xenomorph it's actually called the deacon it it kind of looks like the xenomorph but there's some parts of its form that are a little bit different it it looks enough like one it's close you can tell right away what it is where if you told the (laughs) casual xen uh uh, alien fan or or first or film goer like oh that's that's the the alien they'd be like yeah that looks like it yeah yeah they explore that a little bit more in uh, alien covenant as well because like i said all paths lead to the xenomorph somehow with this black goop it never they never create anything else with it no that's the thing it's probably is that we'll get into this more uh this will be a two-parter by the way because um you know, uh, I have a lot to talk about with Alien Covenant. But yeah, yeah, for as sure. A little, as, a little, as a little bit, to talk about Covenant just a tiny, tiny bit, it's funny with this black goop stuff because they, it's, it's one of those, like, we could just use it for anything type of MacGuffins. <laughs> it's like, it can be whatever you, we use it whenever we don't know what else to do with the plot. At least at the end of Prometheus, things were open-ended enough yeah at the end of it where i was on board to at least see yeah maybe it was a phantom menace situation where to maybe see the where next it goes one, and see yeah. how things get explained or or revealed to us yeah because there was enough interesting things or at least concepts in prometheus that maybe want to see more as disappointed and frustrated i well, was I, with the I, movie. I was somewhat optimistic about like a sequel to that because I was like, you know, maybe they just kind of got off to a shitty start. 
Like, maybe this movie will just be a lot better. Like, maybe it's, like, a two-tower situation, you know, where, yeah, Fellowship is a is still a great movie, and it's still awesome, but things don't really start kicking off until Two Towers, and I felt like maybe that was this, too. Like, like maybe when they get into the second movie, like, things will start to make more sense, or it won't be as stupid, <laughs> but it got stupider. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, and it also just... Of course, that doesn't forgive any of the bullshit that's in the first movie. No, <laughs> absolutely not. But at least there was, it wasn't like leaving the theater with like well, any hope whatsoever. It's like, you know, yeah, that movie sucked ass uh, in so many different ways, but maybe they might do something better next time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And kind of as a, a lead in to when we get into part two, that's what Ridley Scott was actually trying to do with Alien Covenant in the sense that he saw some of the response to Prometheus and he started to shift gears a little bit and was like, Oh, <laughs> whoops. People kind of, at least some people noticed that I made some, some errors there. Well, I'm just going to make my next movie all fan service. Yeah. It was the even clean- more, the great cleanup job and hope that is good enough to appease those those little piggies right who are going to come watch my movie i'm just going to throw some fish at those seals it's really such a shame because so many films that we talk about on this show are more about wasted potential than anything else very true you know like most almost all the films that we talk about are films that have an interesting premise they have they have all the tools in front of them to make something awesome but they just kind of like, yeah, they just fucking start throwing Play-Doh on the walls and they start spitting on everything and like eating their own fucking feet. And I don't understand why this keeps happening. And it's just one of those things where the premise of Prometheus was awesome. It was really cool. It was really ambitious. It really was. It was a very ambitious thing for uh, essentially a franchise that is just a horror, a horror monster movie in space to sort of change gears into this like really like lofty existential sort of plot and premise to where you can really start doing something interesting with the whole, like, where do they come from? Cause that's, it was a void that was kind of left in the lore of the Xenomorph is that throughout all the alien movies, you know, the only thing that we learn about them is sort of kind of how they operate. They, yeah, they, they behave kind of like, like ants. an insect or an ant hive yeah. in the sense that there's one queen basically delegating everything and there's a caste system of there's warriors work- and workers well, what, what and I'm trying scouts to say, and what I'm different trying to types say is of other like, guys. You know, that's, that, that's the only information that we learn about the xenomorphs in terms of where they come from and what they are and why they're there. It would be cool if maybe since there's so many movies of this that we started learning a bit more, we started reaching into the bucket and learning a bit more about where they come from instead of just kind of doing the same thing over and over and over again where it's just a ship floating in space that has an alien on it. Absolutely. And <clears throat> I'm on board with that whole That's idea. That's what I'm saying is I am on board with that idea. I think it would be cool to like reach and figure that out. With Prometheus, you basically get the sense that, okay, well, Jesus was an alien absolutely and the xenomorph was created by a robot yeah a xenomorph uh bursted out of of, out of fucking mary's stomach screaming and throwing her intestines everywhere (laughs) (laughs) 
and it that- just it the the success of answering those 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 questions really depends on depends on what the results are you know if 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 that's the big reveal like oh this stuff was actually just created by whatever and it's in order for that ending scene with the reveal of the sort of pseudo xenomorph to be effective you have to go through prometheus without thinking that it has anything to do with the alien franchise that it's something completely different which is what ridley scott and the marketing team of this movie tried to do they tried to uh, that was their strategy was they were they were sort of uh, neither confirm nor deny throughout the whole marketing of the film and, and through interviews and stuff that they would not confirm that it was a prequel to Alien, even though that was the overall like accepted rumor that was going around about it. That was the overall accepted narrative of, of the film and during the marketing. And so he like blew it, essentially. Their marketing, they, they fucking they dropped the ball and they fucking blew it and they didn't market the movie correctly to hide that fact and it got out i think they were trying to be clever because they were trying to hide that this thing was supposed to be in canon with the rest of the alien series and lore right and at the same time they're like oh yeah but this movie also costs like oh, 150 we got to get that name right 200 we got to get that we got dollars people got people got to know that it's an alien movie or else nobody's going to go see it and if this bombs that means we we ain't making that sequel yeah so we got to make people know we got to tell people it is but also not really yeah connected to this the alien thing that everybody most people know about. I think most people who went and saw it, including myself and my friends, knew deep down. Like, it, it, look, it's it's aliens. It's, yeah. It, look at it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like you, you once you hear like, oh, H.R. Geiger is working on. It. All right. Yeah. Let's it's use all the visual design and iconography of all that. But let's just say we're not doing that. And it's it's just kind of funny because once we get to the sequel, they just decide. Fuck it! It's Alien Covenant. All right. Yeah, it's not Prometheus uh, too. When we get to this, the sequel, yeah, it's not like another thing. Or yeah, we got we got to go right on the nose with it. And then during the trailer, we have to show the final scene thing with the alien on the ship. You know, like when they're fighting. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah it's like yeah. that's that's the one thing I remember from the trailer from Covenant is like the the ship that's taking off and the alien is on top of it. And I yeah. just I, I love it when trailers use their like money shot scenes in their trailers yeah you know <laughs> like when they use like their most like the 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 crescendo like their climax they use that in their trailer mm-hmm. it's like wow <laughs> it, le- it, it gives you the impression that there's going to be more of that right in the final product and then you go and see the movie and you're like oh wait it was just those little shots yeah 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 it was just that it was just exactly it was just the trailer but extended yeah I'm going to end it on this note too, but like as a little preview, David states in covenant that like, you know, I've created the perfect organism, perfect in every way. It's beautiful. And it's just this unintelligent, dumb fucking animal that attacks everything without any sort of logical reasoning. And without its own, like what you said, like without its own safety in mind, without anything. And I'm just, that that's that statement from the that point line, of birth too. Like yeah, like as soon as it's alive, it just starts going absolutely ape shit. And I'm like, what is the what? What do you mean by perfect organism? Like what is 
what is the benefit of having this creature? It's ugly. It can't talk. It's not benevolent. It's not. It doesn't offer any sort of advancement in anything. You would think an android who's like scientifically based would be looking for like, like I don't know, like the what's 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 the uh, sort of tropey thing? Like the androids are always looking for like knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like they're always trying. Like look, aliens too. Like like more like traditional Martians are like always like trying to like you know just gain information. Like that's what they eat. Like that's their food is like knowledge, mm-hmm. and. Um, Michael Fassbender and, and David, he just kind of, he exhibits kind of the same sort of thing where he's kind of on this quest for constantly learning and, and, and learning new things and gaining knowledge and trying to create stuff because, you know, he wants to be a creator and he just talks about, he, I guess he went through several different generations of these creatures and was like, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. Until he got to the xenomorph where he was like, all right, it's perfect. It's just like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I said, like, like, it's beautiful. <laughs> like I said, like this thing's fucking ugly. It has acid blood. Yeah. Not so, convenient. So you can't really operate on this thing if it gets injured. Alien inconvenient. It uh, it drools way too much. Yeah, the drool <laughs> isn't the drool itself acid, too. Um, I'm trying to remember that from the earlier. I'm films. not sure. I just know that they're always dripping wet. I know. I, I just remember from the earlier films. I know the blood was acid, but I couldn't remember if the drool was acid. No, the drool wasn't acid. It was just gross. It was always just like this mucusy substance yeah. that's just constantly pouring off them. Yeah, because I don't know. Like we'll get into it in the part two yeah because uh, i'm i'm gonna get i'm gonna start falling down this whole rabbit hole the, the part two will probably will be pretty much specifically about david because nothing really happens in alien covenant it's just a hack and slash monster movie which is fine it's just it's just fucking dumb it's just it's, it's just a real dumb version of one and it's another instance of wasted potential because the setting and everything that they're in is is awesome and it just they don't do anything with it. Yeah, so we'll get to that next time. Uh, I think we've said all there is to say about Prometheus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a comedy of errors. But I will give it this just as a final thought. <sighs> Compared to Tenet and 1917. Would rather watch Prometheus. And Dunkirk. Would rather watch Prometheus. I'm just going to say Prometheus was a funner film to revisit as much as I love tearing it apart. Yeah. Oh no, it's it's dumb, but at least it's it it does has its entertaining moments and it has its very interesting like good like Cronenbergy kind of body horror scenes that I, I love and I think are awesome and But the reason why we wanted to make this episode was because this film had so much more potential to be something truly great. It could have been one of the best sci-fi films of oh, the it decade. Could have, it could have been right up there with with some of the greats and and cuz like the top sci-fi movies that we usually say, like on like 2001 or whatever like that, they almost always have to do with some sort of like existential humanism. Mm-hmm. You know, they always have to, they're always at the root cause of like, Oh, this is, you know, unraveling the mysteries of humanity and where we come from and, and uh, what, it, what it, what it all means and how the universe works. And that's why they're always so great. Cause they're always these grandiose ideas. And this movie just tries to do start with that, but doesn't know what to do with it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's, it, it's trying to be all philosophical, but it, it, it failed philosophy. Oh, it just stops trying to do that yeah. immediately. It just stops trying. It just, it starts with that. And then just like, yeah, <laughs> why what? are, why are things like stuff? 
Why? Why? Why is stuff? Why is stuff? Are am I? Why am I stuff? Why is? Why is Prometheus? <laughs> All right, that seems like a good as place as any to end it. Um, we'll go ahead and continue continue this on part two, and uh, until then, uh, check us out at uh, YouTube, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, YouTube, just search Hacksaw Podcast. You'll see us right there. We upload all the episodes also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. If you want to see us on any of their platforms, uh, we'll put them up there too. Yeah, and send us an email. Yeah. Hacksawpodcast at gmail.com. If you send, just want to send, send this us episode suggestions. to your grandma, send this episode to your auntie, your peepaw, your meemaw, and uh, let, let them know. Let them, let them know about what they said about Prometheus was wrong. <laughs> Let them know. Okay. All right, guys. Well, signing off. See you next time.